Well, today we are truly honoured to have a great man of God coming to bring the word to us. Um, Damien, Damo, everyone knows Damo, yeah, yep, and he's going to give the word, so give him a cheer as he comes. Hey, good morning friends, let me just get organised here, this is my Larry Bible cover, yes I did buy it on purpose, because now you're smiling and it's paid for itself. Plus, who doesn't want a Bible cup with big googly eyes? <laughs> so, um, at Men of Honor recently, we've been looking at the book of James and pulling it apart. Um, and I don't think it was any mistake that over the break I chose that book because of what it looks at and what we've been going through um, as not just our own family at home, but a church family as well. Um, and if you have your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open it up to the book of James, chapter 1. And um, James, James was talking about trials to all the, uh, the 12 tribes that had been scattered abroad. It's putting, putting things into context, um, when James wrote this letter, um, all the all the Jewish people, a lot of the Jewish people had been scattered because the Romans were still ruling and the emperor at the time wasn't real pleased with Christianity and he booted them all out. And so he's writing this letter to all the Christians that uh, were scattered everywhere just to encourage them. James 1. My brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed. Now we've probably read that verse over and over. Oh, I know I have. I've read it over and over again, but until you're really faced with some epic trials, it doesn't really, it's hard to put it into context, I guess. I mean, we all accept it, yeah, we go through trials, but um, it's really made a big difference in my life and helped my wife and I get through the last four years specifically and the last two weeks especially. I'd like to tell you a story um, about Chippy. Chippy is a budgie. And um, I think I've got a picture of, of Chippy up here. And he got sucked in, washed up and blown over. <laughs> See, Chippy... Um, Chippy... Poor Chippy. Chippy loves to sing as most budgies do, he sits in his cage and he whistles all day and his owner loves it. And uh, he just whistles happily away. And then one day, being the good pet owner that she was, she decided that she'd um, clean Chippy's cage, which is fair enough, with a vacuum cleaner. So she took the nozzle off the end and she put it in the bottom of the cage and she was just cleaning up and the phone rang. 
And she reached over and grabbed the phone. And next minute, Chippy was gone. <laughs> so realising straight away what had happened, <laughs> she turned the vacuum cleaner off, put the phone down and got Chippy out of the bag, out of the vacuum bag. And he was covered in dust and rubbish and bird seed and all other sorts of stuff. So being the good pet owner that she was, she rushed him straight over to the sink and put the tap on and stuck him under the tap to clean him. And the poor little bird was there shivering <laughs> and soaked. And so being the compassionate lady that she was and the good pet owner, she took him to the bathroom and got the hairdryer <laughs> and blasted him with hot air to cool him, to, to, to dry him off. Sucked in, washed up and blown over. Poor Chippy. <laughs> the owner phoned up, uh, I mean, the, the friend of the owner phoned up a few days later and the, the person that was on the phone and she said, how's, how's Chippy going? And the owner said, well, he doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> he kind of just sits there and stares blankly into space. Poor Chippy. <laughs> but it's not hard to see why. Sucked in, <laughs> washed up and blown over. That's enough to steal the strong out of the strongest heart. It's, it, it, it really knocks the wind out of your sails. And that's what trials feel like to us sometimes. It's that feeling of powerlessness of getting ripped out of our comfort zone and this getting smashed left and right with these things that we can't explain, that we don't expect. But James reminds us that even in the Christian life that there's going to be trials. I've heard people preach from the pulpit before and they say things like, if you give your life to Jesus and you become a Christian, all your problems will go away. And that's a load of crap. Seriously. It's not true. You're still going to face trials. You're still going to face temptations. And you're going to get a whole new, new set of unique trials and temptations too when you become a Christian. However, you don't have to be a victim of your circumstance. You can have victory even in times of trials and testings. James tells us that no matter, no matter what the trials on the outside we can experience victory. So the question is, how do you respond when you feel like you get a dud hand? There's four key ways that James describes and that I've been implementing in my life these past few weeks of how to be victorious through trials. Number one, James says, count or consider it all joy. It's a joyful attitude. To count is an, uh, an accounting term. It means to take stock of, to consider carefully, to investigate fully, line up all the numbers and add them all up. So what are the things that we need to consider? We need to consider the facts about the trials. James doesn't say if trials come, but when they come. We've got to expect them. Don't just hide your head in the sand when they come along. Notice that because you're a believer, you're not exempt from trials. 
Proverbs tell us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Everyone's going to experience trials. Satan fights us, the world opposes us, and makes life full of battle. Consider many different trials. James says we face trials of many kinds, and we can, that can refer to two things. Firstly, it can refer to types of trials like emotional trials, trials at work, physical trials. Or it can refer to the source of trials. This generally comes from outside sources. The trials that we experience as a result of living the Christian life, it's probably what James had in mind when he was writing his letter. These people that had been kicked out of their home, they were experiencing a new culture, they were experiencing um, all sorts of things. Persecution, persecution like we don't know. He was writing to the 12 tribes scattered throughout the earth. He was addressing the believers who'd been uprooted from their homes and separated from their families just because they were believers. And there's still people in our world today that are experiencing that. There's people, uh, I was reading a report the other day, the Christian World Report says that in China alone, this is current, in China alone, 1,100 people are executed monthly for their faith still. And in some restrictive nations in the Middle East, just to be a Christian or to mention God is an instant death sentence. We need to pray for our, our brothers and sisters that are going through those trials over there. It's a reminder for us to be thankful for the freedom that we got here. We really don't have any restrictions on worship here. We really don't have any limitations on who we can tell, talk to Jesus about. But one day the door might be slammed behind us. So we've got to take advantage of it while we can. For the most part, we've got it pretty good in the Western, in Western culture. Our trials come from another source. They're the unknown, unexpected experiences of life. For the most part, people don't have control over it which we've discovered. No one can really predict that a loved one's going to develop cancer or that a daughter is going to end up in hospital and have to learn to walk again because she's been lying in a bed for so long. These kinds of trials are unexpected. They find you. You don't need to go looking for them. The next thing we need to do is consider our response to the trials. James says, count it joy when you face them. Peter also says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if it's something strange. Instead, be very glad. Rejoice, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you'll have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it's displayed to the world. We have to evaluate our goals and our priorities. We need to live for the things that matter the most. Our values determine our evaluations. If you value comfort more than character, then trials are going to smash you. 
they're going to upset you. They're going to break you down. If you value the physical and the material more than the spiritual, then you won't be able to count it all joy. If you live for the present and not the future, then trials will make you bitter and not better. Job is a guy in the Bible and he knew about trials. He had his family taken from him, all his livestock, his house, his health, everything. And this is what he said, when God has finished with me, I shall shine as gold. How's that for a good attitude? When trials come, don't pretend. Don't try self-hypnosis. <laughs> I can get through this. I can get through this. I can get through this. It doesn't really work. <laughs> you just got to look at the eye, look at the trials through the eyes of faith. Your outlook determines the outcome. To end with joy, you've got to begin with joy. Does that make sense? So how do you rejoice in the middle of trials? It's so hard. Do you know, last week I was meant to lead worship. And I couldn't. Last week our daughter was on life support. And there was no way, in good faith, I could get up there and sing... Oh, how he loves us and mean it. Not because I didn't believe it, but I didn't have much joy. I, I felt so hypocritical of being put in that position to get up there that I, I declined. I said, no, I can't lead worship. I didn't have much joy through that trial. But I've had a shift in attitude. I got offered the opportunity to bail out and not do the sermon today as well. But I found that joy again. It doesn't mean that we're still not going through trials. It doesn't mean that things aren't hard. But I've got a joy to get through it. And it's not a happy, clappy, bouncing around, smiley joy, but it's a peaceful joy. It's knowing that God's there with me through the storm. It's knowing that God's got this. I can't see the end game, but God's got this. Our faith is always going to be tested, and that's to increase our faith. God tests it to bring out the best. Satan tempts us to bring out the worst. But testing works for us, not against us. These trials are to test your faith, to show that it's strong and pure. It's being tested like fire tests and purifies gold. Have you ever seen gold get smelted and, and processed and they put the ore in and they heat it up till it's glowing red and then all this rubbish, all the impurities, they come to the top and it gets scooped off and thrown away. And then they do it again and then they do it again until... All that's left is pure gold and no more rubbish. That's what trials are like for us. God brings all these impurities and imperfections to the surface through the heat of all the things that we're going through so we can deal with it and move on and deal with it and move on. It's not to break us down, it's to build us up. It's not to 
make us weak, it's to make us strong and pure. Now, it wouldn't be one of my sermons if I didn't get a beard in there somewhere. So I've got a, actually got a picture of a beard here somewhere. Don't I, Brendan? I think I do. Yep. We're having a bit of some trials with technology this morning too. He looks like Mulga Bill. I'm sure I'm age, aren't I? <laughs> a gold prospector. He brings his one sample the assayer's office to be tested. Now the sample itself might not be worth much. It might only be a tiny little nugget worth a few dollars. But the approval, the official, the official statement of that ore is worth millions. Because it assures that the prospector that he's actually on a gold mine. God's approval of our faith is precious because it assures us that our faith is genuine. God's approval of our faith is precious because it assures us that the little bit of faith that we have is genuine faith. See, we've all got a measure of faith and some of us have got more than others. And just like any measure, you can tip it out or top it up. It can be decreased or increased trials work for us because God approves of our faith when we trust him through the trials and trials rightly used help us mature God spells maturity a different way though God spells maturity patience and endurance and the ability to keep going when it's tough to keep going who's ever taken the kids to a theme park or somewhere that they've really, really wanted to go, and it's one of those epically long journeys. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> How far is it? How far have we got to go? Are we there yet? Little kids are just too immature to understand the process of the journey. And get this, immature people, I'm talking about kids, I'm talking about adults, immature people, they're impatient too. They want the blessings of maturity without walking the road of growth. The only way God can develop patience and character in our lives is through all the hard times. When we go through this stuff, when we trust God and obey him, the result is patience and character. And that's how we can face trials with a positive attitude too because we know what the trials are going to do for us. The end result is going to bring glory to God. God cannot and will not build our character without our cooperation. See, God isn't a big cruel God. He isn't a mean God. He's a gentleman. And he won't push or prod or pull or drag us against our will, if we resist him, the natural consequence will be his chastisement. But when we submit to him, then he can accomplish what he wants to do in our lives. God's goal for our lives is spiritual maturity. It would be tragic if little kids remained babies. I mean, we enjoy watching them grow through the various stages of life, but 
there's naturally times when we want to shelter our kids from the dangers of life, but we can't always. And many Christians make the mistake of trying to shelter themselves from the trials, and as a result, they never really grow up spiritually. How can you tell? Because they keep doing the same things and putting themselves in the same situations and experiencing the same trial over and over again and they voluntarily put themselves in that position. There's a great saying that we have in recovery, if nothing changes, nothing changes. God has three tasks to complete in our growth. For us, which is our salvation. In us, because we're his workmanship. We're literally his masterpiece. God builds our character and we become more like Jesus. And through us, this is service. He's created us so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. God doesn't work in us without a consent though. We need to surrender our will to his. If we face trials without a surrendered will, then we're going to remain immature. God's testing is a way of leveling us all. It's not our material resources that are going to get us through the hard times, but our spiritual resources. Sometimes God uses a trial to pose the question, who do you love more, the world or me? Things or me? When the unexpected things happen and they land on our doorstep, there's certain ways we need to respond. And thankfully, James even tells us how to do that. Pray for wisdom. Wisdom is more than knowledge. Someone told me that knowledge is knowing how to pull something apart and wisdom is knowing how to put it back together. That's pretty good, hey? Wisdom is using knowledge rightly. You see, we want to pray for more power or strength or deliverance, but we need wisdom so we don't waste the opportunity God is giving us to be mature. Wisdom helps us to use these circumstances for good and for God's glory. Now, some of you are probably wondering, at the start of the message, you may have seen how to be a donkey in a well. <laughs> and you're probably wondering, what am I talking about? <laughs> There's a farmer, and he had a donkey, and it was kind of old, and its sight wasn't real great. And it fell into a well, a dried up well that he had on his property. And the animals started crying out. I don't know if donkeys actually cry at all, actually. It's probably saying, Shrek, get me out of here. Um, <laughs> the, the donkey was crying out for help. And the farmer was trying to figure out for hours what to do. And finally, he, he decided, you know what? The donkey's pretty old. And the well needs to get filled in anyway. So he called up a couple of his other farmer buddies and they got shovels and they came around and they decided they were going to fill the well in with the donkey in it. Poor donkey. 
So they all grabbed their shovel and they began to shovel the dirt into the well. And at first, when the donkey realised what was going on, he wasn't real pleased about it, as you can imagine. But after a while, to everyone's amazement, he quieted down. And then the farmer finally looked down because it was all quiet down there and he saw something amazing. Every time they threw a shovel of dirt down the well and it landed on the donkey, he'd shake it off and he'd stand on it. And then another shovel load of dirt would come down and he'd shake it off and he'd stand on it. So they kept shoveling and he kept shaking and he kept standing and then suddenly he was able to walk out of the well. Pretty soon everyone was amazed because the donkey just trotted off. The moral of the story is life is going to shovel dirt on you. All kinds of dirt. The trick to getting out of the well is to shake it off and take a step up. Each of our troubles is a stepping stone. We can get out of the deepest wells by just not stopping. Never giving up. Shake it off and take a step up. Don't waste the opportunities that God gives you to prove himself to you. Shake it off and step up. James tells us what to pray for. He tells us to pray for wisdom. And he also tells us how to pray. He tells us to pray confidently, specifically, and unwaveringly in faith. And when we do, God promises to answer us. He promises that he'll give generously to all of us and without finding fault. We don't have to fear because God wants to answer our prayers. All we've got to do is submit ourselves to him and call out to him. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When a Christian endures trials, something amazing happens. We develop character. We develop endurance. We develop patience. And in the long run, we get the crown of life that God's promised us as well, which is pretty cool. I'm pretty keen to get a new body when I get to heaven and a crown. I reckon I'd look pretty good in a crown. <laughs> Satan wants us to, wants to use these trials to tear us down. But God uses them to build us up. God doesn't take us out into the deep water to drown us. He takes us out there to cleanse us. God uses these trials to build us up and to bring him glory. If the band wouldn't mind coming up, that'd be great. How do you have a joyful attitude through all these trials? You know, it's love that needs to motivate us to act in this way. Love motivates you to have a joyful attitude. Love motivates an understanding mind. We love God, God loves us, and he won't harm us. God teaches us through the trials and we grow. Love motivates surrender of my will. When love reigns, 
we can submit ourselves to God because we love him. Love motivates our belief because love and belief go together. When you love, you trust. And when you trust, you can ask for help. So the question is, where is your love found? Is it found in God or in the world? When you're trusting in trials, will it get you through? It will if you're trusting in the right thing. God wants us to grow when the trials come. That's what they're for. You need to count and know and let and ask. It's not easy, but it is possible. Man, we know it's not easy. But it is possible. We can get through these hard times just by surrendering, submitting, saying, I can't do it, God. I'm going to let you have a crack at it. And he's really good at that. He's really good at turning your anxiety into confidence. He's really good at turning your sorrow into joy. I know because I've come through the other end. We've been there. And we're going to probably be there again. And again. But each time something comes out of left field and smacks you upside the head, it gets a bit easier. And it becomes a bit easier to smile and be joyful. It becomes a bit easier to trust a little bit more. If you're willing to submit yourself to God and trust him through those times, then you will get through those times well. You will finish well. I'm not anywhere near as close to being um, to being able to deal with these trials as well as I'd like to otherwise I would have led worship last week the reality is I'm a human being and I suffer I struggle but I'm also a human being that recognises his need for God in my life because I couldn't have got through the past two weeks without a faith like I said on Thursday night, some friends asked me, how do you even have a faith after you've been through all this rubbish you've been through? And I said, it's because I have a faith that I've been able to get through this. I might not be happy. <laughs> I might not have been happy and, and, and trusting, but deep down I knew that God had this. And I still believe that. I'd encourage you this morning, no matter what you're going through, remember this, that God is bigger than your problem. He's so much bigger than your problem. He wants you to grow. He wants you to have character. He wants you to have strength. He wants you to have trust. He wants you to know that this suffering is just for a time and it'll pass. Whatever you're going through, you can have joy in the trial. You can grow from strength to strength in the hard times, but you need to have the right attitude. James doesn't say, 
be joyful. <laughs> he says, consider being joyful. That means you got you need to do the work. You need to you need to put in that effort to shift your attitude and consider it something worth doing. And it's worth doing. No one wants to walk around staring at their navel all day, feeling miserable for themselves. Or maybe you do, and that's the problem. But just surrender to God. Just surrender for the, to the wonderful things that He has in store for you. You don't have to do it alone. The trial isn't going to last forever. And on the other side, you'll shine like gold. When God has finished with me, I'll shine as pure gold. And that's a promise that he's got for us today. I'd encourage you this morning to just surrender all those problems. I don't know what you're going through. You can hand your addiction over to God. He helps you get through it. I know because he helps, you get, he helps me get through my addiction a day at a time. It's a process. There's sickness, there's people that are sick, there's relationships that are broken down, there's all sorts of hurt here today, all sorts of trials that we're going through, but just surrender it to God. He wants to take that burden from you. He wants to take that from you and He wants to give you joy and strength and He wants to build your character because it's going to bring glory to Him. And other people will see you getting through that and that will give them strength as well and you just can't stop winning. As difficult as it seems right now, just surrender. He loves us and He wants us to grow. You don't need to come down the front to surrender to God, but if you'd like someone to pray with you, I encourage you to come up and someone will spend some time in prayer with you, but you can do it where you're sitting. You can do it right now. You can just say, God, I surrender. I give up. I'm tired of going through these trials alone and I'm handing them over to you. And you know what? He'll help you through it. He will help you shift your attitude. He will bring you joy and peace I promise that he will because I know that he does let's pray hey Lord I just want to thank you that you're bigger than any problem that the world throws at us I thank you that you do want us to grow I thank you that you love us I thank you that you want to see us be strong and wise and reflect all the qualities that Jesus has. And I thank you that you give us the tools to do that. Lord, I pray that this morning that the message that I've shared would just touch people's hearts, Lord, that you would even be softening their hearts now to surrender to you. That you'd just let them know that you give them that peace that they don't have to go through this alone, that you're there through the storm. You're there through the trials, you're there through the hard times. You can give us the strength to endure. And Lord, I pray that if anyone is lacking wisdom, that they'd ask you, because you give it freely. I thank you, Lord, that 
if anyone is going through a trial, that you, they can submit to you and that you will give them the joy to get through it. Pray, Lord, that you'd encourage each of us to finish well. That we would learn to submit to you through the hard times, that we'd put things into perspective, that we would have a good attitude. And I ask, Lord, that if anyone in this room doesn't know you today, that they choose to follow you now. Thank you for these things, and I ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.